We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Andrew Mertig, and you can find me on Twitter at Andrew Mertig. I am flying solo again tonight, but before I jump into the recap of the fourth and final preseason game, I wanted to touch base on a few updates. First, if you haven't had a chance to check out yesterday's podcast, I would highly recommend checking it out at some point during your holiday weekend. Well, it was our 400th episode. It wasn't the anniversary that made the show special. Sarah Keller, Janelle Mackey, and Maggie Loney did a fantastic job breaking down some position battles, previewing tonight's game, and even discuss- discussing Carly Lloyd's potential future as an NFL kicker. And while it is 2019 and three women hosting a show should not be something we make note of, I have a sneaking suspicion that all three are going to have a very bright future in the media. So, much like when an indie band you always liked makes it big, check out Sarah, Janelle, and Maggie so someday... When they're really famous, you can say you heard them back in 2019 on the Packaday podcast, and they did a really fantastic job yesterday, so um, I would highly recommend you checking that out. The second thing I wanted to talk about was the video that Chad Ochocinco 
posted about Devontae Adams' route running. My initial impression is that Ocho Cinco is being overly dramatic to get attention because he's such an egomaniac, but I do love that he's bringing attention to Adams, who is one of the most underappreciated players in the league. And I think Devontae is starting to receive the attention he deserves around the NFL. But if I had to pick two receivers in the entire league, I would pick Devontae and DeAndre Hopkins. In my opinion, those two do absolutely everything you could possibly ask a wide receiver to do. And on top of it, they do it as great teammates. So now might be a good chance to expose some of those folks who are calling for Devontae to be cut when he was struggling. And oh yeah, he's just 26 years old. And definitely one of the biggest contract bargains in the entire league. So yeah, thanks Ted Thompson for that parting gift. The third thing I wanted to talk about, and and my final thought before we get to the game, is about the Reggie Gilbert trade that came out last night. It is interesting the Packers got nothing for Mike Daniels or Josh Jones, and then were able to wrangle a seventh rounder out of the Titans for Gilbert. I thought he was a distant number five at the edge position, and the Packers probably aren't going to keep five players at the position. Anyways, I've really been impressed with Randy Ramsey, but he's definitely a practice squad player and not an active roster guy yet. So, Gilbert was on his way out anyways, so to get a late round pick for him was a solid move. And now we get to see if Gutekunst can turn things around and trade that pick for a different veteran player. So really interesting things to watch. But now on to the game. The final score was Green Bay 27, Kansas City 20. Of course, final scores don't mean anything in the preseason, and it's really just all about evaluating individual players. And that is especially true of the fourth game, where we're only two days away from final roster decisions. While everyone is fighting to make the 53, the 10 players signed to the practice squad are often as important as the, those final like two to three players that make the active roster. And there's typically not a season where someone who starts out on the practice squad and uh, doesn't end up taking crucial snaps later in that season. So... You know, a lot of people dismiss this game. I, I think a lot of people dismiss the preseason in general, but it is really, really important when it comes to roster building. And then you get into those late season games, and, and we've seen the Packers, you know, going into the playoffs, starting guys like Jeff Janis at wide receiver. We've we've seen them starting a cornerback like Ladarius Gunter, guys who who basically made the team because of their preseason performance. And so to sort of dismiss these games as unimportant, I think is a little bit shallow thinking. So. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about what happened tonight and, and how it impacts the, the greater roster buildup overall. So I'm going to start on an offense. And the first reflection that I had was the Packers offense barely had the ball tonight. Uh, it is really hard for some players to make an impression that way. But um, here's what I took away. At quarterback Tim Boyle, I thought he had a rough night in my estimation. And, and some people are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. But he, he got the touchdown on the short field, but had a similar night to what Deshaun Watson had a week ago in Game 3. And, and what I mean by that is he seemed really tentative. His decision-making was slow. Um, he oftentimes wasn't getting the ball out. And it's, it's hard to say watching the game live if that's because his receivers weren't open um, or if it was because he wasn't comfortable behind the offensive line. But in either case, I was not all that impressed by Tim Boyle tonight. Kaiser also uh, not... I, I thought Kaiser was more impressive, um, but he did have a really inconsistent game. He he looked great early, um, 
or I should say really good, not great. Um, but he threw a perfect deep ball to Tail Redding, who for some reason got alligator arms. And then he makes an incredible move to escape the linebacker in the end zone, and he runs for a first down, but then the interception, and that was painful. It, it's not 100% on him, for sure. And But he totally misread Jamon Moore. And you could argue that Moore should have kept running on the route. But I thought, based on what I saw, that Kaiser was going to end up leading him into trouble in that zone if Jamon went where Deshaun was throwing. Still, you'd like the receiver to finish the route. You'd like the, the quarterback and the wide receiver to be on the same page. But after that bad interception, regardless of whose fault it was, Kaiser comes back on the next drive. He misses on an easy one because his feet were moving all over the place. He, he looked like a baby deer. Um, and I am expecting him to just totally fall apart from that point forward. But he follows it up with a perfectly placed ball on a third down, and then he shows great patience and throws a beautiful ball down the middle to tail Redding. He stuck in the pocket and made a nice check down to Trey Carson. He followed that up with a very catchable ball to Jay Sternberger uh, down the seam that Jace wasn't able to come up with. He could have saved a timeout by throwing a better pass to Darius Shepard, true. But he did a really great job of identifying the Chiefs' coverage and then was able to find Evan Bayless for a touchdown in the back, back of the end zone. And I know, I am a Deshaun Kaiser homer. It, and, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I have defended the guy probably more than I should have. And you, you can take this with a big grain of salt if you want. But he is the guy to me as the backup quarterback. I just think keeping Boyle over Kaiser is a bad decision. They're both inconsistent. They both make too many mistakes. But if you are asking one of these two to make big throws against top-level NFL talent to win a game, let's say Aaron Rodgers goes down and you need a guy for one drive, I am taking Kaiser 100 out of 100 times. And he showed the ability to fit it in some tight windows tonight. And the throw to Redding was as, as impressive of a throw as we have seen in this preseason. So yeah, he's got problems. All backup quarterbacks do. All young quarterbacks do. I just think he's worth sticking with over Tim Boyle. Would I be super upset if they kept all three? Probably not. But I, I just think Deshaun Kaiser is clearly the number two quarterback. But it's fine to disagree with me on that. Um, I do have to mention Manny Wilkins as well. I think he's got a great chance to be on the practice squad. I'd like to see him stop treating defenders like hurdles on a track, but man, the dude is athletic, and he's got a pretty good arm and can sling it around. If he can figure out how to read defenses at the NFL level, he has the chance to develop into a solid backup, so I would really like to see Manny on the practice squad for this upcoming season. Moving on to running back, Trey Carson did a great job of following his block on the very first run of the game. He runs with nice power and always gives good effort, but Carson just simply doesn't have the juice to succeed as the NFL running back. I'm not sure how the Packers could keep him over Dexter Williams, though it is interesting to note how little and how late the work was that Dexter got in this game. You, you could just see how explosive he was on the screen pass from Manny Wilkins. He saw where his blockers were set up, and he just took off, which didn't allow the trailing defenders to catch up. And there is always the chance that neither one of those guys makes the roster, and the Packers end up going with a veteran who gets uh, cut on Saturday. 
at wide receiver. Really not a lot of notes, surprisingly, for a position we're watching very closely. Jamon Moore showed some great quickness on the quick screen from Boyle. Man, I you know, I really like Jamon, but I just don't see a way he is making this particular team. Tao Redding had the inexplicable short arm of the deep pass from Kaiser, but came back and had a really nice catch over the middle, um, some really nice plays overall, um, and seem to have developed a rapport with Deshaun Kaiser. I'm not thinking that Tao Redding is going to make this team, but you know maybe he's a little bit more intriguing option at the practice squad. Certainly, you didn't see Alan Lazard tonight. Um, very limited action from Darius Shepard, who we'll talk about in a little bit when we get to special teams. Uh, just, you know, it seems like the Packers maybe had their mind made up and they were auditioning guys for the practice squad, and maybe that's where Jamon Moore ends up. Who knows? I don't know that he's shown enough that another team's going to come sniffing around him anyways if, if he does get cut. At tight end, Evan Bayless showed some... Um, or he, he threw a big block on the opening run from Carson and later had a nice contested catch from Kaiser, and then he had, uh, followed that up with a great route on the touchdown catch. It was, it was great to see Jay Sternberger on the field, and he showed his athleticism and the play-action um, play. It was really nice deception on that touchdown catch. He had the leg injury and had to leave the field on a cart, and obviously that is a huge concern. And you'd have to think the Bayless touchdown could have been Jace. That could have been his second touchdown because that probably was a route that he would have been running in that situation. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we talked about this a little bit last week. Injuries happen. And sometimes that can make a roster decision for you. Um, I don't know if Evan Bayless is somebody they like enough to keep him on the roster, but if Jace is out for any extended period of time, that that could be a realistic option. On the offensive line overall, I thought they weren't particularly impressive. I thought the Chiefs' first unit really handled them, and that led to a lot of the struggles that Tim Boyle had on offense. Gerard DeBeer likely didn't do enough to make the roster, and then he ended up getting hurt. And getting a silly 15-yard penalty does not help your cause. I'll be watching the news feed for Yash Nijman on Saturday. I think he's a really crucial guy to get on the practice squad. Clearly not ready for the, the active roster as he got absolutely toasted off the line twice by speed moves. Uh, Justin McCray seemed all right at center, but it has been well documented that he is very much on the roster bubble. McCray and Lucas Patrick are likely fighting for that last offensive lineman roster spot, unless they do something wild like cut Lane Taylor, which, which speaking of, I think is a terrible idea. Um, maybe there's a trade partner out there. It is interesting to note that he did not play, um, or at least I didn't notice it, and, and I apologize if I'm wrong about that. Um, but, you know, that, that could set up to either be a sign that he is making the roster or maybe they have a trade partner lined up. We will see. Um, at any rate, I love having the depth of having both Taylor and Jenkins available. Now, moving on to defense. Uh, you know, across the defensive line, it's hard to talk about anybody else except Kingsley Kiki. He definitely continued his impressive run of play. He had the sack. He had a nice run stop on the Chiefs opening drive. Uh, James Looney made a nice play against Carlos Hyde in the red zone, and he was able to push his blocker back. He shed it. He then was able to assist with the tackle. And, you know, if Looney is going to make money in this league, it is going to be at rushing the passer. That is what he is is really intended to do. He has a great first step. He's a little bit undersized, but you know he's going to be that pass rushing specialist. So it is nice to see him making an impact in the run game, maybe proving that he can be a little bit more versatile than we thought. At edge, Randy Ramsey was okay. Um, as I said earlier, I don't see a route for him to the 53. I made the mistake of doubting him because of his measurables, but he's shown that he is very impactful once the pads come on. 
Uh, James Folston had a nice sack. Yeah, the quarterback held the ball way too long, but Folston really flat, uh, really flashed what what I think is very promising athleticism from from a guy who is new to the roster. Uh, and then you look at off-ball linebacker. Ty Summers was solid, but not spectacular. And yes, he had the pick six, but that was almost entirely being in the right place at the right time. Uh, a side note, though, it is nice to see the kind of speed and explosiveness from a linebacker to be able to take a ball and really outrun a lot of guys and take it to the house. Uh, he had a play in the middle of the third where he kind of peeked in the wrong hole on a run play and committed too early, and the Packers' defense got gashed by Marshall. It, if he's forced into early playing time, you cannot make those types of mistakes. Or guys like Tariq Cohen or Delvin Cook may be in the end zone by the time you turn around. So he needs to be a little bit more assignment sure. Meanwhile, Marcus Jones came in a few weeks ago from Baltimore, and he shows off his incredible athleticism in getting in on the quarterback and forcing the tip pass, um, and then recovering a fumble. And the Packers TV announcers were pumped, or they, they were, you know, sort of, talking up Brady Shelton as a potential rosterable guy, but I just have not seen that from him at all. I thought James Crawford was clearly a better player on defense and had a major advantage on special teams. He did get banged up in the third quarter, so that is definitely something to watch for, and the Packers just cannot seem to catch any luck at off-ball linebacker right now. If you look to cornerback, um, I'm going to kind of combine the defensive back roles. Chandon Sullivan, Kadar Holman, Will Redman, they all had solid nights. They gave up their share of receptions, but they all had nice plays against the run um, and some nice moments in coverage. At the true safety position, Trey Matthews had some nice flash plays. He had the sack. He had a couple of really big hits on ball carriers. He could be a dark horse for the roster, but I think the versatility of Tremont Williams reduces the need to have a pure safety. So he's really going to have to show that he is head, heads, you know, at, at least a head above a guy like Will Redman or Shannon Sullivan. And those two guys and Trey Matthews could be fighting for a roster spot. And and those are three guys we really weren't talking about coming into the the you know training camp too much um and so all three of those guys have really played solidly i think all three have at least a chance um and they've definitely shown enough that you know they're nfl caliber players if i'm moving on to special teams jk scott continues to impress continued his impressive performance he's combining that great hang time with great distance and that's certainly a combination you love to see out of your punter he's really looking like he's going to develop into a weapon in year two Mason Crosby missed the extra point in the second quarter. It is not a great sign when you have another kicker in camp. However, I do not think that this ever was a real kicking competition. Sam Ficken hasn't been nearly good enough to unseat a reliable veteran. But you do have to be concerned about Mason's confidence. There were a ton of missed tackles on coverage units, which is always concerning. And, you know, if you're a player that's looking to show your special team's value to make the roster, you don't want to put those kind of things on tape. I doubt Darius Shepard is going to get a lot of sleep the next two nights. The fumbled kick return was not the way he wanted to end what has been a really fantastic camp and preseason. Um, I'm sure that doesn't make him feel really great. And as a guy who's fighting for a roster spot, especially somebody who needs to show that versatility in the return game, that's not something that you know you want to have as your last impression for the, the coaching stand the coaching staff and Brian Gutekunst. 
So the players who really stuck out to me, I just talked about safety Trey Matthews. I thought he made his case for being a true safety as a backup versus those other kind of hybrid players. Like I said, I think there is probably only one more defensive back spot and a lot of good players fighting for it. But Matthews certainly threw his hat in the ring tonight. Another guy I really liked, running back Dexter Williams. And this is a dude that has absolutely been in the coach's doghouse, and I thought he took advantage of his opportunities tonight. I stated, I don't think that either Williams or Trey Carson are necessarily going to be on the roster. I, I don't think the Packers have to keep one of those two. But Williams certainly should have the edge over Carson after the performances I've seen. I think he has a skill set that's um, a little bit more rare. Trey Carson is replaceable, and, and you know, people on this podcast have talked about that before. You can find Trey Carson's elsewhere in the NFL. Um, you know, maybe... in. There's going to be several guys with similar skill sets cut on Saturday. There's not going to be a lot of players that have the Dexter Williams skill set. So do I think Dexter Williams is going to make the roster? I don't know. I think it's you know a toss-up at this point. But if he doesn't, it's not going to be because of Trey Carson. It would probably be because they found a veteran free agent who got cut. You know, they played against Carlos Hyde tonight, um, who is very much on the roster bubble in Kansas City. So a player like that who has more of a veteran presence, we know Matt LaFleur loves to run the ball. Give him somebody who has some experience and, and maybe that could take off. Not necessarily saying it's Carlos Hyde, but a player similar um, in, in a similar level of experience I think is the only way that you're going to unseat somebody like Dexter Williams. Finally, uh, Kingsley Kiki. I, I thought he was the star of the night. He was a guy who fell in the draft because teams weren't quite sure what scheme he would fit in. And I am going to tell you, he fits in a football scheme. I don't care if you run a 4-3. I don't care if you run a 3-4. There's place for players like Kingsley Kiki. The dude can play. And I think he's going to help Packers uh, fans temper that loss of Mike Daniels in this upcoming season. And then one final thought that I wanted to throw out there. We all have our favorite players, and some of those players are likely to be at risk of losing their spot on the roster. I mean, I love Equinemius St. Brown. He is not guaranteed to be on this roster, um, whether healthy or not. But let's remember that there are about 1,100 players around the NFL that are going to get cut on Saturday. And I should maybe say that in a different way. Let's remember that there are about 1,100 people around the NFL that are going to lose their jobs on Saturday. And these are guys who have worked their butts off. They sacrifice physically, mentally. They work out nonstop. They keep up with these crazy dietary restrictions that I can't even imagine. It affects their personal relationships. And for the large majority of them, this is their dream. And, and that dream of being a professional football player is going to come to an end. Living in Green Bay, I've had the luxury of meeting and interacting with quite a few Packer players over the years. And I can assure you that if you have never had that opportunity, they're real people. Um, and their families are going to go through this. Um, this is going to be one of the most difficult times of their lives. And, and they're going to have to go through this. So this is my call to Packer Nation. Let's be civil. Let's support these players through social media, let's let's say no matter who makes the roster, we are all rooting for them to be successful this season. And you know, I I, I just am really ambitious about you know supporting these pe- these players as people. So 
Thanks for listening, but this is all the time that we have for tonight. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Please subscribe and like the podcast if you if you uh, enjoy what we do. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike, Tyler, and Chris. You're going to have another chance to catch me on this upcoming Monday show. I'm going to join Andy Herman, and I have an interview from a special guest that I promise you are not going to want to miss. You can catch me every Friday, and next week, Kyle is going to rejoin me with a breakdown of the Packers' first regular season game against the Chicago Bears. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.